2: Hello, Welcome to Following On County Cricketer with myself, John Norman. Double County Championship winner, Steve Harmison. And uh, from the cricketer, Nick Friend. Whether you're listening to TalkSport 2 or via the following on podcast, thanks for joining us for another busy show. Uh, Plenty of big results up and down the country this week. Warwickshire swatting aside Essex. Durham defeating bottom of the table Yorkshire by one wicket. Surrey enjoying a rare derby. Defeat of Middlesex and another draw for Lancashire. Plenty of individual stories to discuss as well on Following On County Cricketer, thanks to Talk Sports in partnership with The Cricketer. Well, welcome to the show. No George with us this week. George is having a much deserved holiday, so it's just myself, uh, Nick Friend from The Cricketer, and also Steve Harmison. That, that so much has happened in the last seven days guys, um, not least with the county championship in both divisions. What a match at, uh, uh, that took place between Durham and Yorkshire in uh, Division 2. But let's start with some, well, less positive news, I suppose. Uh, my moment of the week, Jimmy Anderson, little injury, meaning that he couldn't uh, complete the match that Lancashire were playing. Lancashire, five, Lancashire unbeaten after five matches, um, but without a win, five draws from five matches. Uh, probably would have been helped with Anderson bowling, but uh, the weather getting involved there, but it just brings into uh, focus really where we are with England as well. Anderson has been picked for the Island test, which means that uh, of course he is uh, ready to go for the ashes. Sadly, the same can't be said for Joffrey Archer who's been ruled out for the summer, no decision on the world cup, but it's a bit of a leap of faith to, to feel that Archer will be in uh, the world cup squad to, to defend uh, England's title, but a uh, or, or, or trophy. Harmy, I, your thoughts first on uh, on Archer in terms of that injury. It's one that's kept him out of way more cricket than he's actually been able to play over the last two or three years. Um, we've talked about his future as a as an England all format player, but uh, from a bowling perspective, where do you see where you know where do you see where he is in terms of that injury? Is there is there real concern, or like Rob Key this week, is there still optimism that uh, as a young man he you could still put it past him, like Pat Cummins did all those years ago? and get back out on the field.
3: Absolutely. I think, he can, I think he can come back. Not a problem at all. We've seen glimpses in the IPL that even with the, the injuries, he can still bowl quickly. So I, I, I don't see there being too long-term effect. It's just getting them back fit. That's a, the, the most important thing. For for Joffre, more than anything else, there's a lot of talk about the Ashes, a lot of talk about the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Forget that. Who cares about that? I'm not really that bothered about that. I, I want to see Joffrey just just back fit playing cricket. Because he's box office. You know. He's, whenever he's on the field, something happens. Whenever he's not on the field, everybody talks about why he's not on the field and why he's a headline news. So that tells you that he's a, he's a fantastic talent and he's somebody that it's a big miss to the game. Uh, hopefully, you know, Keezy said it, and I, I said it a, a couple of days ago on The Breakfast Show, that Pat Cummins went seven years without between test matches nearly. And he's the best bowler in the world at this minute in time. Who would have thought, if you're an Australian, Eight nine years ago, when Pat Cummins made his debut and then had all that time out, you would have said Pat Cummins would be captain of Australia and the best bowler in the world in Test match cricket. I think Australians would have laughed at you. So I think we've got to be careful on Jofra. We just want to see him back playing, and when he does, hopefully, i you know, fingers crossed, he can play a longer format. The one thing I will say is, if he is out for another twelve months, will Test cricket will still be around in twelve months for him to come back and to play into playing to. So. That, that's the, the sort of bigger question from that point of view. I was with Jimmy um, a couple of days ago at Old Trafford. Jimmy's fine. Whether he plays against Ireland or not, who knows? I'm sure he wants to. Um, but he just said, little grade 110, is growing. And he doesn't see it being too much of a, a, a hangover for, for the Ashes. Uh, Saki Mahmood was there as well. And he was complaining about being stiff, bowling 40 overs on a flat one against Somerset. And Somerset not going for... Not going for the victory, and I think in I think in jest like Craig Overton, I had a go at somebody on Twitter. I think 350 and 90, but well, I think that would have been a tall order. According to what the lads were saying, that would have been a tall order. I think a conversation of around about 280, might have been a fairer contest uh, in a little less time. But all in all, Jimmy seemed to be happy where he was at, got over under, under his belt. He smiled twice in two and a half hours. So I think the first one was wind, but... Second one, I think it was a proper smile when I asked him if he was going to be all right for the Ashes. Um, And I've got no doubt, there's no way in the world Jimmy Anderson doesn't want to play over the course of the next two months. And possibly his, because obviously his career, possibly will be over if he missed the Ashes.
2: Yes, well, the Ashes do very often bring to an end uh, careers. We can think of many players on both sides, but uh, that's possibly a discussion for another day. Your moment of the week, Nick. I mean, we're talking about Lancashire versus Somerset, a player that we've spoken about every week, it seems. It started out with me asking you to tell me a little bit more about him, <laughs> and now I'm kind of following every his every move. But James Rue, back-to-back hundreds, and, uh, I mean, he's, he's in ridiculous form. He's, what, twenty, twenty one. 20, um, 21? 19. If you're, Nineteen, he's still a teenager. Blimey, mm-hmm. O'Reilly. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, your moment of the week involving uh, Mister Root.
1: Well, as Harvey says, I don't think it was the. It didn't seem like the most thrilling end to a game of cricket of all time. But no, you got two hundreds in the game, and you know, with all the talk about England wicketkeepers over the last few days, um, I'm sure we'll come to or at some stage. Yeah, there's just this nineteen year old kid who's sort of what, really off hundred after hundred. I think that's four. He's that's four hundreds in. 13 professional Red Bull games with another 90-odd last week, three this summer. I think, as I said before, like it wasn't a dead cert to start this summer for Somerset, certainly with the gloves. I mean, they've got between him, Steve Davis, Tom Cullen-Cabinwall, Tom Banton, a fair few options. But but Rue spent a bit of the winter with the Lions, a bit of the winter in Australia, last winter with the under-19s. They obviously like him. Obviously, obviously have liked him for a while. And, and I think he's pretty Red bull not Red Bull focus, but he's obviously got a very solid Red Bull game. And they, as much as the game sort of petered out, I mean, I don't think it would have done if, without his, certainly his, son, his ton the second things, with that very big punch with Casey Aldridge. I mean, he's obviously just really talented. And by all accounts, has got a very good head on his shoulders and the te- obviously the temperament to do it as well. He's not been going out and bashing, bashing hundreds off 70, 80 balls. He's been actually coming in the middle order in a side that doesn't score a great number of runs at the top of the order. He actually, didn't sorry, didn't keep against Langs because Steve Davis did take the gloves, but but yeah, he's becoming at what five six. He came in 140 odd for four in the second innings and faced 200 odd balls. And I think for, at first innings as well, he was I think Somerset, as they as they tend to be quite often were 50 odd for four, and yeah, he dragged them to what 360. And from there, they as Saqib says, don't think Langs were ever likely to win the game. Almost a pretty pretty flat one. I think that's a with or without Jimmy, I think it's, uh, you know, one of the issues they've had so far, as you said, and then with all their draws is. Bowling teams out. And I think, in a way, this game sort of replicates what they did at Taunton between w- when they played in one of the earlier rounds, where keeper <laughs> was pretty vocal and spoke to me afterwards and said that for a first game back in 12 months and first class cricket, it was a pretty dead, sad track. So the game, they're getting miles in their legs, the, the Lanx bowlers, which might have had something to do with, which might be why they bowled. I think they bowled everyone apart from Jimmy and the keeper in the, sorry, Jimmy and Josh Brown, I think it was, in the, in the second, season, even George Bell had a bowl. But yeah, just on just a really impressive young player, I think, in, in a role where England have got a fair few riches. But um, yeah, the fact that he can do it with the bat and not just with the gloves is obviously pretty significant.
2: Yeah, following the lines of uh, Craig Keyswetter and uh, and Joss Butler. I don't think he's quite like either of those. But he's... <laughs> no, I would say watching his, uh, well, what, just watching him on social media, that's one of the great things, isn't it? I met one of the guys behind the counter championship social media feed and uh, at the Oval actually last week. And uh, yeah, just watching like, highlights of the innings, he obviously pick, picks up length very quickly. He's very strong off a, if, off his legs, uh, can play through the offside. I mean, he looks, he's got a touch, he's got something about him for a mm. 19-year-old. Concentration um, as well, 241 balls for that, 105.
3: Yeah, so, yeah, uh, that, that's yeah well, he's having. got he's got. Thicker ends as more or less decoration bowlers, but yeah. 30, not taking anything away from a young man because he's batted beautifully. He's got three uh,
1: times and four
2: one. innings against Lancs yeah. in the last three weeks. So they'll be pleased <laughs> to be done with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, quick question for you, Harmy. Just on Bearstow, we're talking about wicket keepers. You know, he's, I, I heard your interview with him, uh, with Johnny Bearstow, which you can hear on Talk Sport. He, he has come back or he's coming back from a, a serious injury, still got <laughs> a, a noticeable limp. What risk is it or how much of an ask is it? Because, you know, I, I know his stats stack up. But his stats, as a batsman only, as a batter only, certainly in first innings, are oh, the worldly. But how much of an ask is it to ask a guy who hasn't kept for a long, long time, who's just coming back from a massively horrendous injury, to not only spearhead, at times, England's batting, but also keep wicket?
3: I think it's the right call. I do think it's the right mm. call. My, my, my opinion on, on this has always been consistent that Johnny should be keeping wicket for England because he gives you so much depth in your batting. Now another point I'd make on that: if Moana Ali is playing and a young Stuart Broad before he got hit on the head, then it might not be as significant. But England are going to go into a t- England go into games now with four number tens. So to have that twelve Test match hundreds at number seven is huge. Now seeing Johnny close up the day, yeah, the scar in your ankle is, is massive. He's, he is restricted in in some of his movements. I think some of his movements he's restricted on is actually. In the, would be in the field running around. As Nick mentioned, he's, he's he's catching balls from 25 yards away. You know, maybe 30 yards away. All he's doing is bending and up and down, up and down. You know, getting to the latter part of the game, uh, that might have a, an adverse effect on him. But constantly being in the field, would that be just as bad? Um, I think this is I think this is the right call. there Has been a lot of negativity towards Rob Key in this decision. More, I think, not because Ben Fox has been dropped. I think it's more because because Zach Crowley's kept his place in the side. I think that's the how can he play in the side and Ben Fox is not. I get that argument. I really do. I, I fully understand that argument. But for me, Johnny Besto was the start of this whole regime mm-hmm. kicking it kicking off. He was the he was the he was the person that lit the blue touch paper at Trent Bridge, and he was the one. I've got England's momentum going under yeah. McCullough Stokes. So for me, he had to come back in. For me, the only place he came back in mm. was keeping wicked. As long as he could do it, the job. In I think talking to him, he felt during this time at Yorkshire, games in the second team and the game in the first team, he feels comfortable behind the stumps. His movement's good. Talks about being a limp. He even had a go at me. He says, We've all got limps, even you. And I said, Johnny, mine's. A 45-year-old belly that's you know, having problems with my limb more than yeah, any injuries I've had, all in jest. I think it's the right decision. I don't see him having any movement problems. I think he'd be able to catch it fine. I think he, he strengthens England's in depth at batting. Who would who would Pat Cummins rather have coming in at number seven? Who would he rather have, Ben Fokes or mm-hmm. Johnny Besto. I can say with, with no hesitation whatsoever, he'd say we'd love Ben uh, Ben Fokes to be coming in. Not bothered about um, catching up. Who can take the game away? The best player that's ever done that job is from Australia, and that was Adam Gilchrist. And Johnny Bairstow could be that 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 player. And he has, for me, I think he's got unfinished business with the gloves because he, he, Mm -hmm. in his eyes, he shouldn't have lost the gloves in the first place. My argument to Johnny has always been: I've said this to him quite a few times. He lost the gloves because you are so important with the bat that England had to take the gloves away from you because only Joe Root and Johnny Bairstow were England's shining light when at batting. Ben Ben Stokes was injured. It was a a compliment to your batting, Johnny, that you were taking the gloves off you because we needed you to score runs on a consistent basis. Now, we've got more players now that can score runs. Pope, Brooke, obviously Root and Stokes. Now, this just just adds that little bit, bit more of explosive batting at the number seven. So for me, it was the right thing to do, not to drop Ben Foulkes and shunt him out on one side, because I understand the Crawley argument, but Johnny Bester at number seven should have been there for the last sort of four or five years for me, not just you know, eventually when we now can't fit him in the team because everybody else is playing quite well. And also, can I jump,
1: just to jump in on that? I, I think I, there's obviously been a lot of talk for months, so I think probably the, the, the three of us here, Feel fairly unshocked by it, really. I mean, like, I'd, it's always felt like, as Asami said, Johnny Burson embodies everything that this the success of the last few months has been about. He started it. He didn't just start it. He then continued it through that summer. Had an absurd summer, and was a major was seen, a ma- seen as a major major blow Despite you know how well they went over the winter, when he suffered his injury ahead of Pakistan ahead of New Zealand at the T Twenty World Cup as well. Johnny was always going to come in for for that reason and and others. And and I think this was a decision that was. If not made, but we got a pretty decent idea of in Pakistan when England went with so when Ben fokes overcame his illness in in time for the Multan test, the second test, and Oli Pope get the gloves, and folks set it out. Like people will use the argument that Ben Stokes has called Ben Fokes the best keeper in the world. That doesn't isn't that's no less valid now than it was then. Doesn't mean he doesn't believe it anymore. It it just means that they have, as Rocky Key suggests, as Rob Key said on Tuesday, they've weighed up. How to get them both into the team, and what, and you know, how to, which they decide they can't, and and what strengths you want. And the strengths, as Army says, in a side with a long tail, but also in a side that so benefited from Bearstow's approach with the bat, attitudes, runs last year is is what he brings, and and therefore, and also to be fair to them, they've been pretty clear with. It, it doesn't feel like it right now, but I think McCollum said back in February they wouldn't stick square pegs around round holes, and I didn't like, I didn't mind the idea of ben stokes opening up but as soon as they said that they weren't going to shunt someone who's not an opener to the top of the order so actually this has never been about folks or crawley whatever however people view this sort of perceived injustice it was never one or the other because they were never going to shunt someone to the top of the order who wasn't an opener therefore yeah look you could like you can know, argue with the zach crawley decision all you want but i don't think it would have been you know ben folks being the beneficiary that as we said for weeks on here johnny baxter was never going to be open the bank for england come come the ashes so that's never never really been the call. The call has always been nominally, Bearstow or Fokes. It might which might still be both if someone picks up an injury in the next few weeks. But the reality is Johnny Bearstow is always going to play. So Ben Fokes was always going to miss out. But it doesn't he missed out forever. He will keep in India, I'm sure. Because you take your because where you do want the best week keep in the world is when they're standing up the stumps to spinners for four days. So that will happen, and you'd be sure of it. And maybe that's the clarity that, that people need, but but yeah, you know, I don't know. I've, I've felt quite unshocked by all this in the, amid the clamour of social media and people's views. And yeah, it's, it's a shame, but I don't think it's the wrong decision.
2: It's a shame. It is a shame, but... But uh, it's,
1: it's, it's mainly a shame because he's not done anything wrong. Um, yeah. But that is elite sport. How do you fit 12 into 11? Not many of them, you know... Impact not many have done much wrong. They've, they've won 10 out of 12. They've had a very, very good year. This time last year, Ollie Pope was... Olly Pope had never batted number three in any professional cricket before. And they were just trying to put... People anywhere to give themselves a chance of winning a game, and, and look, twelve months on, he's the vice captain. He's got an held on spot three, and it does show that stuff can change very quickly. And then, they're, they're you know, England's test cricket is in much better spot than it was. Needless to say, twelve months ago.
2: Let's hope you're saying the same thing in six test matches' time. Eh? We've got to, uh, we've got to move on. We're going to take a little look at uh, all the results in the county championship division one. Let's uh, start at the top. Surrey beating Middlesex by nine wickets. Uh, I was there for day one. I was there for the bit where Middlesex were doing really well. Um, They were 166 for one when I left, pretty much. And they were 209 all out when I pretty much got home. Dan Worrell with uh, Ian Botham-esque figures of five for one in his uh, last spell of the innings. And then my man, Jamie Smith, with that 97. Stumped uh, game for the big heave-ho against the, uh, the leg spin in first innings. But by that point, the damage pretty much done. There was 88 for Burns, 48. What a signing Sean Abbott's been this season, by the way. No surprise that he's been called up to the Aussie squad uh, ahead of the Ashes, mate. You never know. He might be a bolter, as they call it, down under uh, for a place in the team. Uh, Surrey made 380. Middlesex, you know, not bad. 240 in second innings, but um, that was never going to be enough. So Surrey go top of the table. But yeah, Middlesex, Nick, will be... Well, they'll be really unhappy because I thought they'd performed pretty gamely, but, uh, it was, yeah, a, that's probably the right batting. word. Yeah. It was, an, they, it was another massive collapse, wasn't it? That it really did for them. I think it was the lowest, I
1: think I'm right in saying it's the lowest ever county championship total from 166 for one. I think was the, I think I read, they lost 9 for 43 after that, which is not ideal. Um, I, you, you shouldn't be going, obviously shouldn't be called out for that, um, from where they were. And the, I, I almost thought the second thing was a, was a slightly more damning indictment. You know, you know collapse collapses happen, but second thing is to have the whole top six make starts and no one make make it past forty three when you are when you are trying to bat to save the game was probably where they lost it. You know, there was actually they beat the bat so many times with the ball in the first innings. There was a fair bit in it, and they probably bowled better than Surrey being bowled out for three eighty to be honest. But but also it's just straight it's the strength of Surrey, and that is I think if you were to compare these two sides at the moment, beyond anything else, it's options, isn't it? And you look at. You know what? Sorry, be able to do with their seam options and who they've been able to rotate. And you know, Gus Atkinson was in for Tom Laws this week. But Dan, I think Dan Morrell took a rest last week, and Laws and Atkinson both played. Atkinson's come in, and Dan, I think what a lot of people expect him to do for a while. He's 25 now, but he's did a fair bit of franchise stuff over the winter. Ended up in the PSL, the ILT20, and know Kimar Roach thinks a lot of him. And, and obviously, Will Japs is back as well, which means that they can go with yeah, as you say, Sean Abbott at seven, Jordan Clark at eight, Gus Atkinson at nine. It's it's a pretty handy lower order, and then you've got your off spinner back in the top five they just got so many options, whereas Middlesex left out Tom Helm for this one, basically because they rotate five seamers between Higgins, Rowland-Jones, Bamba, Murta, Helm, and, and they'll hope that Peter, Peter Malam went off with a knee injury. They'll hope that's not serious. He is both the overseas player and sort of the experienced guy at three who, who looks like he's finding some form. He's got 60 on the first innings before the <laughs> before the collapse hit. So it's interesting. I actually thought they... I just thought it was a fair bit from stake out of the game. So I, do, I thought they bought a lot better than three eighty odds um, that Surrey made. And but yeah, probably left themselves too much to doing both things really. And, and and I guess that was that was you know that led to a chase of seventy odd on the fourth day.
2: Harmi, Warwickshire and Essex. Uh, I, I was reading Don Topley's comments. He thought that the toss was it was a it was a big toss to win. But again, Warwickshire, have, uh, you know they, they've shrugged off that defeat to Surrey, haven't they? And I heard, I can't remember who I heard speaking um about that result but they they felt that they well they were in it they were in it i suppose but they they saw saw that as a bit of an anomaly they feel that they're title ready really and they're churning out results no uh no real surprises where the wickets came Essex 626 all out um eight wickets per share between hannah dolby and uh chris rushworth then Warwickshire were 154 for eight before Hassan Ali. So the game in the balance, really. Hassan Ali then hit uh, 50-odd, 242 all out. And uh, Essex did better second time round, but Warwickshire set 100 to win and they did so six wickets down. So, I mean, it's an intriguing and really interesting season so far in the county championship. And, I mean, even with all the rain around, there's been plenty of big results. You know, I know Lancashire will probably snort at that, but essentially Warwickshire are a winning games. And it's just showing that even if you do lose one or two along the way, I suppose, as long as you keep going at it, you're going to be there or thereabouts.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the, the one thing you you can, you have to say, is that all well and good winning, the, you know, having a toss, that's important and crucial and you're winning it. You've got to have a bowling attack to exploit it. And Warwickshire have definitely got that. That that innings by Hassan Ali won the game. When you talk about Warwickshire's credentials to win the championship, well, I don't think anybody's going to get within 50 points of Surrey. I think Surrey are going to do what Durham did in 2009 and win the league by... We won the league with four games to go, and I can see Surrey doing that again. That's how, I think, how far the gap is because of the depth of the pool of players they've got. But the one team that will be up there will be, along with, you know, Hampshire-Lancashire, will be Warwickshire. Because they've got a bowling attack, that can take 20 wickets. And they've done that. Again, my only worry for Warwickshire would be them to consistently get enough... Runs on the board for their batting unit, their bowling unit to bowl at, and can they get enough bonus points when it comes to it? Because there are places around the country where the bonus point system, and I know Neil Manthorpe's not a big fan of it. I'm not a big fan of the bonus point system. It should just be you win and you lose and you get points for it. Um, If you did that, Warwickshire would be a little bit closer to Surrey, but their batting, I don't think, will get enough bonus points. They'll win games, but they'll not get enough bonus points when you calculate them up over the course of 14 games.
1: No, so I say I think they'll change. I, have I think they should change that. I think they should change the bonus point structure back to what it was last year. It's I, I just think, I just think the current structure two hundred fifty point two hundred fifty for one bonus point, is unrealistic in a lot of particularly the conditions that creek has been played in this this year and mm. the amount of rain. You know the the amount of tough decks, the the assistance that bowlers have had, the, the better bats of better bats of Dukes balls than we had last year, which actually meant that last year perhaps is what it was almost sort of a, a bit of a red herring in the sense that. There were loads of big scores early season, partly to the Bulls, partly to the weather. But actually, if you get two forty batting first a lot of the times this season, you come out with that with a hundred run lead, and you've got yeah, nothing you get- to show for it. You you actually level on bonus points with the opposition, which is mental if you're, you know, if you if you're if you're so far into the game. I, and particularly with the amount of rain that's take, taken time out of games, what you've ended up is as I've talked about a lot on here um, is teams in the ascendancy being forced into draws, actually coming out of games with very similar points points holes to. Point to the sides they were frankly battering, but couldn't get over the line because they probably lost a day and a half to weather. Yeah. And and then the other end of that is that 450 and 110 overs, a lot's got to go right for that. It's, I think it's silly. I mean, I I don't think you're, I think 400 and 110 overs is ample for, you know, ample work to get you back some bonus points. Cause actually a lot of the time wins your games. If you get 400, 450 to me feels a bit greedy um, and doesn't necessarily make the point that people think it was going to make.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And if you have a little look at all the scores in Division One, there isn't a side that got at 400, is there?
3: Let alone 450. Somerset uh, got 361, but they took 20, 120 overs to get 36, and mm. I was a good. one. am
1: took them about three weeks
3: in in Lancashire. But yeah, I think. But I think the point and the and the game that you're talking about, John, is uh, Warwickshire have got the credentials to go a long way at the top of the Championship. I don't think they get anywhere near Surrey. But it's largely down to their polling attack. If our invisible man, the friend of the cricket collective, Sam Hearn, doesn't score a boatload of runs, then I'm not sure where Surrey, I mean where Warwickshire get all their those sort of big runs. But for me in this game, Hassan Ali's 53 at the bottom end in, a, in an aggressive manner has won the game for has gone a large long way to win the game for Warwickshire. I know Rush was quite eight wickets in a match, but there were friendly bowling conditions. Um and you'd expect them to do that. And that... And, and just a flip side of that game, especially when you're, you're looking at six weeks before the, five weeks before the Ashes, this losing archer, losing cast, no stone, you're going, the, ball, the batch of balls that England are using in England at this minute in time, pitches and the overhead conditions that England are playing in this minute in time, then they are at a loss, but they're not a huge loss. If this 15 match squad that England have picked were gone to Australia, Nathan Lyons, right, I think they'd win 5-0. So I'd worry about the England side. But England, in England, with the weather, the weather has been at the minute. First class is telling us that leading wicket taker in the country is Chris Rushworth. You know, the next is Mohammed Abbas and, and, and like so Ben Reard. These guys, 80 mile an hour bowlers, what England are going to use against Australia. So it might not all be doom and gloom losing the likes of Archer and Stone.
2: Okay, well, look, we've uh, got to get to Division Two. The other two matches in uh, Division One, uh, rain affected game between Kent and Hampshire, which saw Kent bowled out for ninety five, but uh, thanks to half centuries in second innings from Compton Crawley and Leaning, uh, they uh, they battered themselves uh, to safety. Hampshire hit three hundred and seventy three actually in one hundred and four overs, so they might have got close whether well, what did they get three three bonus points there batting points and uh in the other match oh that's, yes
1: that's all sort of, that's sort of my, my point with that one like you know you come out of the first innings 300 runs ahead and yet what three three points better off than the opposition yeah granted Kent you know I was there for day one of that and that was Kent did very well to, him, so, you know, to get the draw in their helped by the weather but that was one of the most one-sided days of championship cricket I've seen for a long old time I mean Talk about contrasting bowling attacks. You've got you know the Abbott, Abbott Barker and Abbas back together, Fuller, and then you've got this Kent attack that we have spoken about on here before that is very, very much cobbled together with I think Stuart, Agar, Hogan or three Australians, and they picked Abby Kadri for this one. And you know, Hogan, the 41-year-old Agar, sort of the sort of the last ditch overseas player, and Grant Stewart, who at one point last year was loaned out to Sussex. said so an interesting yeah, it was interesting game, actually. And in Hampshire interesting one of the Hampshire, I think Hampshire put, put together the first opening stand since last July where both where both players passed 20 they made some changes brought Joe Weatherly yeah they dropped um, Felix Organ didn't they not Felix Organ and nothing against Felix Organ but it, it does show the benefit of picking two specialist batters I mean Organ like Ian Holland has sort of done that role at one but also done that role at eight and nine for, for Hampshire I mean it's <laughs> opening the bat is not easy in England so you, know, you give yourself a better chance I guess if you're a, if you're a specialist in the role I think Organs averaged about 26 doing it the last year which you know all told particularly some of the decks that Hampshire played on isn't, isn't the worst isn't the worst record in the world but um, but yeah they certainly needed to change I think he was struggling this season and they were you know, Nick Gubbins and James Vince were in very early a lot of the time and obviously they had that debacle the previous week against Warwickshire as well so sort of roles reversed I mean they were bowled out for 97 two weeks ago and then rocked up at Kent and bowled them out for 95 and ended the day 90 without loss so
2: and the other game, Notts beat Northampton by an innings than 25. Northampton 158 all out. Uh, ben Hutton 5 for 28. And then Joe Clark with 76. or Notts just 255. Uh, and then Northampton bowled out for 79. Dana Patterson <laughs> with another 5 for 5 for 16. Okay, let's head to uh, Division 2.
0: Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection.
2: This is Talk Sport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the cricketer, George DeBell, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. OK, County Championship Division 2, only one place to start, really. Um, there was thousands watching on the stream when uh, Durham just about got over the line. Warwickshire, Warwickshire, Yorkshire even, were ahead of the game on several times, actually. Um, certainly uh, as it uh, pushed to its conclusion on day three, pushed over to day four. Yorkshire 254 in first inning. Shan Massoud top scoring with 44. Durham then made 227. Yorkshire were 136 for three at one stage in second innings. Um, a pair for Adam Lythe, though. Uh, but they were bowled out for 218. But with uh, Durham 173 for eight, it looked like uh, it looked like it was going to be Yorkshire's game. And then it was uh, Rain and Potts who starred with the ball, 47 wickets between them. Um, they put on 71 for the ninth wicket. Potts went with two needed, but uh, the runs were made. And I suppose in one way it summed up Durham's season and Yorkshire's season in in one go, really. Yorkshire still without a win, bottom of the table, Durham top of the table, and really continuing with this aggressive policy. But uh, there were some uh, there was some stars in there as well, some brilliant bowling some uh, some decent batting, some test players uh, participating. And it said a lot, really, about the quality of Division 2. I don't know where we want to start. So we start with Harmi on that one, as a former Durham and Yorkshire player. So uh, it was your derby, after all. Harmi, what were your thoughts?
3: I thought it was a great game of cricket, full start. Uh, and credit to Yorkshire, the push Durham and they had a, the word. I think it just, it does, I think you're right. It sums both, both summers up so far for both sides that Yorkshire just can't get over the line. And Durham find a way of getting over the line in every game. Durham could have won five out of five comfortably. We had Scott Bolter on the Critic Collective um, this weekend, uh, just in a hangover celebrating what was a, a monumental effort by the boys at the bottom men. Was it 15 wickets between Potts and, and Rennes to peg Yorkshire back to make sure that Durham only had, you know, under under 250 on a fourth innings at Chessie Street is always a, a, a big ask. Um, and then again, just shows you that Durham are never, ever beaten. And he mentioned back to the days of the sort of late 2000s and beyond that, Durham were a side, won the championship 08, won the championship 09, won the championship in 13. And every single time that we won the championship, we were never beaten. There was times we were never beaten. I remember one game, we needed nine wickets after tea time at the end of a day's play. The fourth day to win a game against Kent and we won with three overs to spare. Years like that happened to champions. Um, and I think, I think Durham would have balanced the side they've got. Unfortunately, they're in the wrong division. They will be in the right division next year. And they're starting to build because of the, the mindset that Ryan Campbell's given them. Starting to build a, a balance of a side which is perfect for first cricket. And they're also building a winning mentality, something that happened in the early 2000s, which got led into you know, a winning run for for Durham County Cricket Club. So Robinson 44 got in, got Durham into a position for a score. And then I mentioned the, the boy Jones a few times. He is a, he is a fantastic talent. He just finds ways. For some reason, he finds ways to get out in the 50s. And then 71 run partnership to win the game at the end. Scott Bothwick talked about being so nervous and players being nervous in the dressing room. And then the most up-and-down character that I've ever played with is Scott Bolthwick. So for him to go out as a runner, Bryden Kars, needing two to win, I did ask him, what on earth, who on earth suggested that? As captain, you could not have gone along with that if somebody suggested it. But he said it was between him and Alex Lees. Scott says, I was going to take the responsibility. And he said the calmest man in, the, in Chester Street that day was Bryden Cars walking out, even with a side injury. And he nicked one down a third man and they ran as fast as they could. So it was a great win for Durham and Yorkshire. They, they just can't get over the line. A couple of good performances, George Hill, but just can't seem to get over the line for Otis Gibson and Darren Goff. They must be scratching their heads thinking, what on earth do we need to do to win a cricket match?
2: Matthew Potts has been called up to the England squad for the Ireland Test match. That suggests he might be spending a bit of time away from Durham throughout the summer, even if he doesn't get in the first eleven. Brian cast that injury. Can you give us a little bit of a, an update on that, and you know what he's this, what this means?
3: While. He's out for a while. I think he's done a intercostal. I think side injury. Uh, he's not going to feature any ashes now. I had him as I had him as, as playing at the Headingley at Old Trafford. I really did, um, with a view that Archer, no Archer, no Stone. England might need to win if they get behind in the series. They're going to have to take a gamble and go for two quick men. Cars was my man up, up the sleeve to say, right, he's the one. bats at number seven for Durham. We're very, very good, number eight. Good all-round cricketer. But he's gone in the side. He's bowled a few overs this year. Bowled very well. Um, but unfortunately, he's going to be out for, a, I would say, a minimum eight weeks. So that's him, that's him done for the Ashes. So that's a blow, as well as losing pots as a blow. But Durham have got, I think Durham have got a little, bit of a, a little bit of a head start now, one of the 22 points ahead of third in the championship. By the time Potts comes back after the Ashes, I don't see him being involved in one day as later on. So when the back end of the, the championship starts, he'll be chomping at the bit to make sure he's on the plane in the winter tours, i.e. to India. Um, and I think a good successful second half of the championship summer will be Matthew Potts to try and get them on a winter tour.
2: Good stuff. Well, not good stuff, for Um, That's not what we wanted to hear at all, but uh, good stuff in terms of Durham. Nick, any thoughts about why it's just not clicking for Yorkshire?
1: As Simon said, they're just not getting over the line in games, are they? they? I mean, like Adam Lyth, got 170 odd last week and followed that up with a pair. It's just, you know, strange things happen when you're not winning games. Obviously, you know, brought Matt Milnes in. He's out for the, he's out for the summer. Ben might's come in, hasn't really, uh, hasn't really yet. And, you know, Sharma has just obviously just arrived. I mean, I mean sorry, he's, he's now arrived. And, you know, it's just been, I guess, a slightly more fragmented to the start, start of the season than they were after. And obviously, with everything in that, you know, hanging in the background as well. So, they've, I, I think what they'd said is they've not, they've played a lot of decent cricket and lost, you know, and, and not won, rather, you know, even even the open against Leicestershire. You know, they, you know, great chase by Leicestershire, but you'd say that, you know, as a general rule, you probably defend 390, 400 on the final day most most, most times. So, in a weird way, you know, they'll be. Frustrated but not concerned. If that, if that's about right. I mean, they've, you know, there are certainly, but <laughs> there's certainly teams playing worse cricket at the moment than, than, than Yorkshire. They just, as you said, they just can't quite put, you know, a full game together. And you know, even that game last week. You know, as a general rule, if you if you're four hundred and ten for nine on the, in the fourth innings of the game, you have probably won it. But equally, but if you get bowl, if you get rolled for hundred in the first innings, then, <laughs> then you're done. Then you trying to save the game. So, they've done, yeah. As I say, you know, even that, you know, the Sussex game, they would have won with the without the weather. Not sure, I think there was, was 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 washed out entirely. They've done a lot right, and just and just not won. They've not put they've either not put games together or not been able to put full games together. So that Sussex game being a perfect example. It's, suddenly, if you win that Sussex game, which they were going, which they would have done in all likelihood, chase what another fifty odd to win seven wickets and then 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 you know that's a win in April and they come into May with tails up a bit and um, but as it is, they're still sort of looking for that elusive result. But yeah, I don't think it's been for the want of. You
3: know no, they're, are, they're a quick bowler shot. they're one quick bowler
1: shot. Yeah, and all- that is yeah, and, that, yeah and even more so with, with the Matt Mills injury because Mills really is a is, is a Div 1 quality bowler Is taken 50 odd wickets this season, Div 1 and um, yeah, and was a really really good signing, but unfortunately, is yeah, gonna miss gonna miss this summer, and that's just that's just where they are at the moment. And obviously, he's lost Steve Patton as well over the winter, who was you know, real not granted, not quick, but but a bit of a constant in that in that Red Bull side too.
2: Okay, let's have a look at the other games. Leicestershire, they're kind of our team. I'm not sure how, but it's its kind of happening, isn't it? Leicestershire, again, getting uh, getting themselves out of trouble. They're still unbeaten this year. Uh, There's another 100 for Rishi Patel. Uh, via Mulder as well with 102, batting them to safety after they were. 65 for four in the second innings. Uh, Sussex. Even Sussex didn't get full batting points 430 with Tom Allsop hitting 182. Steve Smith only made three. No McAndrew or Robinson. Uh, Leicester following on 217 first innings. But uh, as I say, Richard Patel and Veer Mulder batting them to safety. And then in the other two matches, Glamorgan doled out a whipping over Worcestershire, 10 wickets. Uh, Michael Nisa again and Tim van der Gooten. We mentioned him last week. Still top wicket taker, five for 48. Uh, from him, but uh, Nisa four for 40 and 86 with the bat as well. That was a one-sided game. And uh, there was a maiden first-class century for Harry Kane, Derbyshire, 251. Look, show in reply, 383, but there wasn't enough time to see that match to a conclusion. 28th for three, Derby. In second innings, they recovered to 166 for five. Okay, that brings us to the end of Division 2. I should tell you what games are coming up this week, I suppose. Uh, Sussex against Glamorgan, Worcestershire against Leicestershire, Gloucestershire against Durham in Division 2. And Division 1, Kent travelled to the Oval, uh, Nottinghamshire versus Essex. That's an intriguing-looking game. Middlesex against Somerset and Hampshire against uh, North Ants. North Ants were absolutely whipped this week. Oh, I, oh we should mention Daryl Mitchell, who uh, scored two centuries in New Zealand against Pakistan. He must have only arrived here five days ago or rather a couple of days before the start of the match and he hit 105 for Lancashire. So uh, it's about this time of the week that I uh, remind you to head to the Cricketer online membership available for just £3.99. That's pretty good. That's less than a cup of coffee these days. Uh, It gives unlimited access to all online content, including all of our championship match day coverage, news features, etc. Head to www.thecricketer.com forward slash digital subs. We had a question last week, guys, and maybe we can just uh, zip through that as well. It's regarding improving online streaming viewership and also attendance at match days of the county championship Alan Hyam one hundred. What ideas do people have to improve the online and in person attendance at first class cricket matches? I mean, I would suggest you've got to get to the kids, don't you? That's that's the way you get them you get them early, get them in. Tie ups with schools, yeah. primary schools. You know, you go around uh... schools
1: you see a few the clubs clubs do days, don't they? Middlesex have have been at Lord certainly certainly the last couple of years when they bring, I think, two, three thousand school children in Leicestershire have done a lot of good stuff and they with so, yeah, in the community, whether it's reducing ticket prices, whether it's free tickets, whether it's days that are specifically, you know, targeting, targeting the community, getting more people through the doors. But this isn't a new question, is it, or a new issue? So you'd like to think that a lot of things have been tried.
3: Free entry for me. Free yeah. entry, first-class cricket should be free entry everyone. We make a lot of money in this country about, you know, from obviously the, the test matches. We've got a lot of money from the broadcasting people to come and watch free, and then you, then the argument of is county cricket the right? Is county cricket wrong? You know, keep bagging and knocking county cricket. But if you make it free entry, then yeah, you're giving it as a service. Uh, charge what you want for T20s. Charge what you want. Ramp it up for the limited over games. But free entry for me. The, the the thing with the kids stuff is I know this, but I, personally, because I've, I've I've heard school teachers tell me this. It's not the case of. Not taking kids to the cricket—it's a case of the cost of getting the kids, sort of hiring a bus, making sure we've got enough parents to come on the trip because you can only have so many mm. kids, so many parents per kid to make sure that you've got enough from a health and safety point of view. So there's all implications on that. For me, if you let everybody in free, use it as a as a great service that way from a first class point of view. I think you will get—I wouldn't—I wouldn't say you get more people through the gate, but I don't see the point of charging eight pound, ten pound, or a membership fee when you can get the ownership of the game and give it away and 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 promote cricket that way. You're, you're giving it away rather than you know, having a lot of people having a go at first class cricket for the sake of it.
2: Okay, good stuff. Uh, what about a player or player watch? My player did pretty well again. Player of the match. Uh, he had a good write up by Michael Atherton in the Times as well. Um and uh weighed in with ninety-seven against uh uh, Middlesex, so that was Jamie Smith for Surrey. Um, what about you, Nick? How did your players do this week?
1: Three wickets in the match for Tom Price, in about 30 odd runs. The Alior got Alior yet yeah, to quite catch fire this year between runouts and other such things. He made 20 odds, I think we went 20 exactly actually, for Sussex at, at Leicestershire. In yeah, a draw between obviously the worst two teams in the country for the last couple of years, but both going pleasingly well. I think, you know, Tom Olsopp, who made 180-odd not hour in that game, has just signed a new deal as well this morning. And he's been a revelation for them since he came over from Hampshire as what looked at the time like quite a big shoes to fill. He sort of came in when they, at the same time as they lost, what, Phil Saul, Ben Brown, you know, and I guess among others, but certainly those two at once. And yeah, they've been good, haven't they? I mean, they, they actually did what I predicted would happen last week. I think I said on the pod a couple of weeks ago that Steve Smith doesn't necessarily make them a... Might be a better team, but makes them a team that's not necessarily more likely to win. Because as much as Ollie Robinson took his 14 for the previous week, ECB then sat him out. Smith and Pujaro, the two overseas players, Nathan McAndrew sits out and suddenly the bowling attack is a bit more uh, lightweight and, and actually a lot more like it was last year, which is which was their issue last year. They couldn't take twenty wickets in the game. And as much as Harry Carvey last thing is a really good bowler and Henry Crocombe's a good young cricket coming through and Brad Curry did well for them, did well for Suss when he came in last year, left armour. Ultimately, you, you, they've had they've to had sacrifice an overseas player and, and not Robinson, he wasn't sacrificed for this, but he wasn't available for this. And, you know, they are therefore weaker in the bowling attack than they were two weeks ago, which actually, you know, at Gloucestershire when they had McAndrew running in, they were probably, they were probably only stopped by the rain from winning. So it's not to say it's not worth bringing Steve Smith in, but it, it is, you know, an issue that I think people foresaw with this three-match stint that that perhaps came to roost in this game where they had 161 lead on, on first innings but couldn't quite force home that advantage.
2: Yeah, it is good to see uh, both Leicestershire and Sussex doing well. It's, it's also uh, good to uh,
1: that's it's on on that, Rishi Patel, um, you mentioned earlier, that's his third time of the season. Mm. And he started this summer in the last year of his deal, which you know, no disrespect to Leicester, but if you're a twenty four year old in the last year deal at Leicester and you've and you've never had first class hundred before, and if you I think if you'd had a if you'd had an average year this year and found yourself without a county, there's it's not necessarily another one waiting for you if you struggle at the bottom of div two. So but he's been highly thought of for a while since he was and definitely since he was at Essex early in his career obviously got that match winning time at Yorkshire in the first week. And yeah, he's followed that up and yeah, just get on him really. Like I mean, you know, he's, he's you know, so you'd, you'd certainly say he's bought some you know, got himself some decent medium term security, which I so, say, you know, a young player coming to last year his deal is not an easy place to be, and he wouldn't necessarily have that freedom to go out there and play the way he has done. Some of the shots this hundred this last hundred would yeah really quiet sort of buccaneering sort of whacking over mid off and uh taking the spinners on as well and yeah but good yeah say so good on him for for the way he started the summer
2: good stuff nick you got a train to catch you get out of here uh thanks for uh, all your work we'll see you next week uh what about you harmy uh, who are you uh, you'll play well one of them is Carl, yeah, sadly. the brighton cars cars
3: gets injured yeah cars gets injured unfortunately Ollie robinson 44 part of uh, a durham victory um, which was was great to see. Um, I just want to echo the, the thoughts of Leicester, Leicestershire and Sussex. I think for me, that's been the, my highlight of the first half of this county championship summer. It really has to see Paul Fabres and uh, go down to Sussex and tell us at the start of the summer that we're going to want to win games. And uh, Paul Nixon, the enthusiasm that Nico has for Leicester, all them young players, if they believed in them, that's what we said. Just believe in your coach. They'll get you on the right path. And to see them second and third, for me, that's a highlight of the summer. So it's been a great start for them. Durham's the going to take some catching. Um, but my man, unfortunately, Mr. Cars is going to be out for a while. And Ollie Robinson, along with your man, John, is just giving the selectors a nudge to say, well, if you're going to turn your back on Ben Folkes and you're going to bring in Johnny Bairstow, well, there's two young books ready to come in as deputy, if needed, if something happens. Jamie Smith on TV the other day was absolutely fantastic. I thought he was brilliant, and Ollie Robinson again is just slowly but surely nudging in the right direction of you know that you know well performing young witty keepers. Just enhance that pool of players for England, which is always great
2: to see. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see that there's going to be some options. Uh... Moving on, Harmy, thanks for your time, matey. You'll be back uh, recording Road to the Ashes. That will be available on Friday. We've got uh, Mike Gatting on the show this week, which will be superb. Uh, and uh, County Cricketer will be back uh, following this latest round of County Championship fixtures. Don't forget Cricket Collective as well. That's available on the following on podcast feed every Tuesday, Harmy and Neil Manthorpe. But for now, that's it. Thanks for listening to Following on County Cricketer.